Hey there, Bellator Society. We know everyone is really excited about the prospect of easing up on some of our social distancing that we've been doing during the COVID-19 pandemic, and we are too. But we also know that in our attempt to continue to corona like a Catholic, we're all going to be acting in prudence and charity to protect others and limit the spread of the virus. But one of these days, we are going to get back to hanging out with real life human beings and seeing our friends and even making some new ones. So to that end, we've got a special new e-publication that we are sending out to all of our subscribers. If you aren't already a subscriber, now is the perfect time. It's 10 Tips for Christ-Like Friendships. So while we're waiting for the world to recalibrate, let's spend some time in thought and prayer about how to truly imitate Christ and our love for our friends and neighbors. And if you haven't bought your Mother's Day gifts yet or still have a few graduation gifts that you need to send, we would love to help you in that department, too. So click on over to Bellator Shop at bellatorsocietyshop.com and see if there's a little something that we can send to your mom or your grandma or even your godmother or maybe a new graduate or really anyone in your life who needs a little extra love right now. Our new women's tanks and men's tees are flying off the shelves, and our lotion bars and lip balms are always a great gift, really, for any occasion. We've got some really fun vinyl stickers too from our native tongue collection and you can put them on water bottles or computers or guitar cases anything that needs a cool inspiration we'll even ship them for you and make it super easy that's bellatorsocietyshop.com enjoy the podcast This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. All right. Hello, Bellator Society. Thanks for joining us. I have Fran and Christian with me. And if you watched our live stream um, on Wednesday, you'll know that this is the rest of Fran's story. So thank you. If you if you haven't watched it, I go back and watch it because it's really, really good. But we're going to ask, or I say we, Christy's going to ask the juicy questions and I'm going to sit here and just listen. I'm going to be a passive guest or a passive host today. Hey. But we could also make it a drinking game that whenever you do say something, people could take a drink. <laughs> That's a great idea. Because no, I'm not 100% sure that Christy isn't drinking Guinness right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, she says it's iced tea, but we don't really believe her. Um, unfortunately, I grabbed the Guinness glass and put my tea in it this morning (laughs) very convincing (laughs) yes um i mean if it were my husband hosting the podcast he might be drinking guinness but not me hi christy hi fran welcome hello 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 thank you for having me i Um, hope you save the really juicy questions for now well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I got a little intel from from Matt, so I um, I might have some juicy questions. I'm still kind of hesitating on whether or not to talk about the hidden talent. Um, Franchelle, what? We'll just start with something light. Franchelle, <laughs> what? <Ease her> in. 
because um, I do have some more good questions for you. But what what do you think your husband might have mentioned as your hidden talent? And he said it, and then he wrote, um, she can blank farther than anyone I have ever seen. No kidding. <laughs> farther? <laughs> farther. I can what farther? Are you a spitter? <gasps> oh, I know what it is. What is it? I can make my spit. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Okay, so like, again, y'all, I grew up with brothers. Sometimes you wrestle. Sometimes you have to find ways to put them into submission. And one of the ways, because I'm not a particularly like um, imposing figure, right? So you have to find ways in, in order to make these men submit to you. And one thing that I can do is sit on someone's chest and make my spit like like come out of my mouth like um it, it's very viscous <laughs> and, it, and it and it goes out like a string and then I can pull it back in oh my god <laughs> okay I really was not wanting to say this word but he called it a spit loogie <laughs> no I don't think that's accurate because I think a loogie is something that is encapsulated that exits your body entirely <laughs> Okay. This is okay. more like a string, like um, like a fishing lure, like on a fishing line, if you can imagine, okay, yeah, and then yeah. retracting it really fast. Okay. Well, there we go. We just started with your hidden talent, and now that you're explaining this whole part about having brothers, I'm starting to understand my oldest daughter, who has three older brothers, mm. a little better, because I do hear quite often, she was... <laughs> She had spit in her mouth, and she was gonna something with yeah. it. Yeah, sometimes it's the only thing we have. It's, it's a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hey, hydrated women. Stay hydrated. Um, he also mentioned um, your uh, running man dance moves. Oh, that makes I'm... him laugh very hard. Did he also mention the Roger Rabbit? Because I'm really good at that too. Oh, so am I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I dance party last next live stream. <laughs> Bring your best like, moves, ladies. We'd like to see that. Do you have space there behind you? Um, I have as much space as I need. <laughs> uh, he also said that you are an incredible cook. Some Aww. people might not know that about you, but uh, I can attest to that one. Oh, thank you. We're she's here to. Good, we're she's here one to of those you. that you're kind of nervous when she comes to your house, <laughs> not because she makes you, but because you're like. Is she going to go, are, these poor people are going to be nice. They're going to tell me it's good, but I know they're probably not going <laughs> to go home and, yeah. you know, it's not going to be the best meal they've had, let's just say that, of the week. You know what, though? I actually don't, I, I thank you for the compliment, Tracy, and thank you, Matt, for the compliment. But I will say that something that annoys me a lot is having some sort of reputation about being a good cook because I feel like people's expectations of what you produce are also like skewed in that direction and one of the things I hate the most is when we have like someone to come over to dinner and Matt and it's usually like either someone from like work or I don't know just some like someone that he has a relationship with sometimes and he's like oh she's gonna make this it's gonna be the best whatever you've ever had and I'm like please don't ever tell someone that because what if it's an off day 
You know, what if it's just the fine, just, just a perfectly fine offering and it's not the best you've ever had. <laughs> That's like, keep the bar low. That's my yes. philosophy. Keep the bar low when like the cookies turn out or yeah. I actually make cookies. Everyone's happy. Totally. Like if they come over thinking they're having a meal, great. If they walk away, like just their, their mouth's on fire. Cause it was so amazing. That's even better. Exactly. exactly. And I don't need a badge. <laughs> Just eat your dinner. <laughs> well, my my mom always taught me, which my mom is a great cook, but I mean, I always go for quantity over quality. As long as yeah. no one's hungry, no one will complain. <laughs> yeah. I will say I will say this though that um kind of kind of actually referring back to Matt and I meeting and starting to date I actually think the thing that that cinched it that you know sealed the deal was um when we were just still friends um kind of merging into the the you know define the relationship zone um we were both in um AP um senior English in high school and we were in the same class. He actually sat behind me because he wanted to cheat off of my papers. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, he, his parents were going out of town for the weekend and his brother is, you know, maybe seven or eight years older than he is and was married and not living at home. And so Matt was basically going to be by himself all weekend. And we'd been hanging out as friends and I knew that his parents were going out of town. And I also knew that we had a major paper that was due um, and that maybe he might not eat very well that weekend. And so I was like, why don't you just come over for dinner this weekend? You know, my mom makes a lot of food again, quantity. I won't say quantity over quality and her and her, cause my mom's a fantastic cook, but like she always made a lot of food cause she had a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he was like, really? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Just come on over. And so this was like his foray into the Mater family dinners, which that is a whole nother thing for another <laughs> podcast. But he came over and the first thing that he that my mom made the first night Matt ever came over for dinner at our house was her roast, her beef roast. And when you say my mom makes a pot roast, like that's not what I'm talking about. She makes this roast that she hours at the stove turning so that it gets like the perfect like outer crust and seals in all of the juices and it's the best and then she cooks it in this au jus for hours and then while it's cooking in this au jus she adds in whole potatoes that then soak y'all my mouth is watering that then soak <laughs> up <laughs> that, that that soak up the au jus such that the, the white potatoes basically turn brown it's like meat soaked potatoes and this was the first time matt had ever had anything like that and he was like what is this <laughs> meat potatoes what is this and i'm pretty sure that's how he fell in love with me it had nothing to do with me <laughs> thanks to your mom and and i'll be expecting uh tracy to be cooking this on her next uh oh my gosh. cooking adventure yes, at the table with tracy how, what is it i i don't remember well it's going to be table with tracy or with the for the table with tracy you can table with tracy Table with Tracy. We're, okay. we're take we're, away the prepositional phrase. We're going with table <laughs> with Tracy, which is going to be, hopefully we're, we're going to release the first one. And this, again, this is about Fran, but just a, a side note about me. Um, we're doing a little cooking series because all of our, so many of our contributors have, have um, sent in awesome recipes and um, we thought it'd be fun to go through and cook them kind of like the Julia and Julia TV or the movie, you know, where the gal named Julia cooks 
through Julia Child's cookbook. Well, this is Tracy cooking through everybody else's um, recipes. And it's, I think, going to be fun. I'm, it's I'm so a great cute. cook. So it is not um, really, if we wanted a good cook doing it, it'd be Fran. So this is more of a, um, look, <laughs> you can do it too. If Tracy can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> That's more the genre we're going for. <laughs> But, but so I'm probably not going to do anything fancy like Friends family. <laughs> I'm going to admire it and listen to the stories though, and let my mouth water. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. We'll have to get your mom to send in a post on her ajou. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah that does sound epic. Except you know what? She's a little bit like Sharon Rockers, who is also one of our contributors. Who, whenever you ask Sharon for a re- for a recipe, she gives you something, but you know it's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough, but not all the way. Yes. Now, I will say that uh, speaking of recipes that Sharon has turned in, both her Eli soup and her Hannah ham, which we have published on the website, are both legit recipes that I have made um, per her instructions, and they both have turned out fantastically. Hannah ham, particularly, is like one of my family's favorite things ever right now. So, we love the Eli oh. soup. That that is one of her recipes I've actually mm-hmm. done before. I can. That's that's coming up. Yeah. That's when I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of cooking, um, Franchelle, tell us, uh, tell us about your your um, home and the domestic church oh. that you that you and Matt lead and guide. And you know, um, one thing maybe to mention, which you know, it's his story. So, and, and the jury's still out. But I know one of your sons is has is. Uh, discerning the priesthood, you know, and so what do you do? What have you done in your home um, to kind of bring a domestic church life there? And how has your faith, you know, impacted your kids, do you think? We do have one son who, since he was very, very young, always um, mentioned that that he was thinking about the priesthood. And um, I would say he's probably still in a, a um, I think it's fair to say that he's still discerning, although he is also dating. So, you know, that's part of, <laughs> that's part yeah. of his discernment at this point. So yeah, <laughs> it is his story to tell. But in, in general, I think that Matt and I have Again, by virtue of being, cl- we we talked about this in the live stream, um, Christy. That you know, when you when you're very close, familiarly, familiarly, that's the mm-hmm. right word, I think, um, to a priest in real life, you realize um, just their the, the personhood, you know, of the priest. They're not like a character; they're really like a person that you see is also a priest of Jesus. And that changes, I think, your perspective on the priesthood in general. Um, and so we had the the you know such a the blessing of having um, not just Father West, but also other priests in our home um, th- throughout raising our children. Like we always considered it um, just like one of the best things to have a priest come for dinner. Um, or, you know, we I had one priest who um, is still a very good friend, but um, just after he was ordained, he became our associate pastor. And um, he would come to dinner or started to come to dinner um, often. Um, but then he just would like stop by. Like if he was, you know, 
we, we lived right by the the chancery or right by the um, the diocese offices just a, I mean like a couple of minutes away and so whenever the priests would go there um, we would often have them just come stop by our house for coffee or whatever and so that was something that our boys got to see growing up that was um, I think important for their formation as well um, that you know it wasn't just father on the altar but this is father in every aspect of our lives like he's our friend um, he's someone that we go to for advice you know our kids got to overhear our conversations you know which were you know typically good and holy conversations I mean we also talked a lot about like you know like Marvel movies and such but <laughs> as one does <laughs> Um, with young men, newly ordained. But, you know, we, we had a lot of, I think, good, fruitful discussions in front of our children. You know, even if they were too young to really participate, um, they were witness to it. And um, we always kept that as a priority um, in, in our lives. And we, and we pray intentionally every day for our children's vocation. We say the words together as a family every day, um, imploring God to choose from our home those needed for your work. And that is the priesthood for sure, the religious life for sure, but it's also the married vocation. And I think that um, because Matt and I take our marriage and our family life very seriously as a vocation, um, that, that our, I hope our children are, are seeing that too. Um, and also in, in our domestic church, obviously we care about uh, family liturgy in a way. Like we, we always we say the same prayers, you know, as a family, because that's our liturgy. Like we don't, we don't really shake it up that much. We have, you know, prayers that we say in the morning, we have prayers that we say as a family in the evening. And then Matt and I together have prayers that we say just the two of us, you know, once the lights go out. And I think that keeping that sort of liturgical, um, rhythm to our lives is, you know, part of the, the lifeblood of the domestic church in, in, in our family and in our home. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> that's exactly what I was, I was wanting to hear. I was about to ask you about your family's prayer life. I always think it's so interesting to ask each family, like, how do you pray? Mm. Um, how do you pray with your kids, especially when they're all different ages, you know, and they, as they grow, and um, I always think it's it's good to pass on that wisdom, and it kind of tells you about about a family. So, tell me um, if you don't mind. Now that you're now that we're talking about your family, would you share some whatever you're comfortable with about um, you know the suffering um, of your family and and the loss of your brother and mm. just how how the church played a role, how mm -hmm. Jesus played a role, um, you know, where, where, um, where maybe things changed in your own heart or mm -hmm. just how that, how that impacted you as, as a person. I think that when, um, well, lives are changed by births and deaths, you know, that when someone is born into a family, it changes everything. Like you, you can't imagine that person not being in your family once they're there, right? Whether they're born into it or adopted into it, basically when they are within your sheepfold, the sheepfold is never the same. And I think it's the same when someone dies. Um, you know, when, when they, when they move on from this world, um, it changes everything um, in, in a myriad of ways, things that you don't even think about changing change just by virtue of that person who changed your world by coming into it um, changes it by going out of it and I would say that is definitely the experience and the loss of a sibling 
of course, it's how we feel when we lose parents um, and, and grandparents. But that's kind of the right order. You know, losing a parent or a grandparent is um, not good, but it's how it should be. Like, that's the right order of things. Losing someone who's younger than you and your family, um, which my brother Jared was, he was number five of our six um, children, um, of my parents' six children. Although my younger two brothers always laughed that I was like their their second mom. And, you know, it was always kind of a joke that always made my mom kind of mad because she's like, no, I'm actually your mother. She's not your mother. Oh. Like she spits Lukey's on <laughs> She's terrifying. She's just like a mother. Um, um, I think that um, because he was so much younger, um, it, it really was a shock to all of our family. And his dying process, I mean, we, we, my sister and I did a podcast with Kelly Bro about um, that, you know, all of it. So there's, a, there, it's already recorded for the internet to hear if you want to hear the whole story. But I think that, you know, in a nutshell... Um, what I saw in my brother's death was, um, one of the most beautiful conversions of, of heart and, um, examples of submission to God's will and also miracles that happen, um, that you don't expect, but are undeniable. And, um, and so there, there's so much to be said, um, for, for his life. I mean, Jared was a, he was so quirky. He was so funny. I can't tell you the number of times in a day where we're texting on the family stream and one of us will say, man, Jared would have loved this. You know, this is something that is, um, right up his alley. Uh, so, you know, he was such an integral part of all of our lives. Um, and his death was a process that, um, I think changed all of us for the good, um, because it allowed us to, um, see Christ's suffering in him, which is a hard thing, I think, because I mean, Jesus is the Lord of the world. I mean, he's the King of the universe. He doesn't need me. Right. And yet in the, in the passion, in the way of the cross, there were people that Jesus needed in a way that, that were able to serve him in a very intimate way. And that's what we got to do with my brother in the hospital. Um, again, we, we got to, we got to clean him and cut his nails and um, help him play his guitar, you know, so that he could strum a little bit. That was, that, that is one of the most beautiful memories I will ever have as one of my other brothers knew that this was something so important to Jared. He was a masterful guitar player. Um, I mean, just like uh, unbelievably um, talented musically. And um, when his body started to fail him, he couldn't play the guitar anymore. His brain wasn't allowing both hands to work in the way that um, they had always worked before because also he was one of the healthiest brain cancer patients in the universe. Like he could swim miles in a, you know, in a pool and ride his bike and run and all of these things with this, you know, humongous tumor in his head for years, really. And, um, and so, you know, when he was in um, the last weeks of his life and he was losing his faculties um, every day, something he, w- he wasn't able to do something else, um, we knew what a, what a hard what a hard thing it was that he, that he couldn't play the guitar because music was such an important part of his life. And um, one of my brothers kind of sat beside him and played the frets while Jared strummed. And um, it was little it was little things like that and being able to serve a person um, as they are dying on their way 
you know, on, on the way to what was ultimately, you know, his cross and his altar, you know, uh, the way in which he died that, um, I think changed all of us. And, um, and also I will say that he wasn't a particularly religious guy. Like he grew up in our family, like all of us, and we all have our own stories and our own, um, journeys of faith and, um, spiritual maturity. Um, and, you know, he was a young guy. And, you know, faith wasn't necessarily going to church wasn't necessarily his his deal. He would always go to church when invited and particularly enjoyed it when we had brunch afterwards. But um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that that wasn't where he lived his life, um, you know, as a young adult. But towards the end, he loved the Eucharist. He asked for it, you know, as his, as his memory, um, and his lucidity, um, waned, he couldn't remember if father had brought him the Eucharist that day in the hospital. And so he would ask several times a day, has, has father brought Jesus yet? And, and to see that hunger in someone's life, um, you know, after so much suffering, when it would have made sense for him to be mad, just to be so mad, um, was a beautiful witness, um, again, for me, for me particularly, but I think for, for all of us, just the way in which he suffered. Well, I see um, in you, and I haven't known you very long, Franchelle, but I see in you um, what I see in a lot of people who have lost someone really close to them, which is um, their eyes are really set on heaven, you know? Um, and, and a lot of... Um, a lot of their motivation and things that they do, you know, that's always in the background. Like just that, that um, seeing what's, what's to come because someone so close to them is, you know, we hope is, is there. Um, so uh, thanks for sharing that. I think it's really beautiful. Um, even though I know it's sad, I love, I love hearing, uh, I loved hearing you share that because, um, it's probably something we can all relate to in some mm -hmm. suffering, um, one or another suffering that we've had in our own life. So, And I think one um, more thing, if I could say that Jared yeah. um, taught me, particularly me, um, is, to, is how to let go of things that we think are so important or that I think are so important because nothing is forever. You know, you think you have everything in the world that you could possibly want. And we had a really, you know, cozy life in Little Rock with some of the best friends I could ever imagine. And after he died, um, you know, making the decision to move away from um, really, you know, friends that became family to us um, was, was in part because I was empowered by his ability to, to let go and grab the next thing you know, and, and it's always more beautiful. It just is. I mean, not that, not that it wasn't beautiful then and not that those relationships are not forever relationships, but Jesus always, when you are willing to put, when you're willing to risk something and because you think that's where he's leading you, or is, is, mm -hmm. at least it's something that he's offering you, then he, he never disappoints you. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and that's even with death. And I will, that that's kind of the tie in is that, you know, I mean, no one wanted, no one wants cancer. No one wants to, to die that kind of a death, but there was such unexpected beauty in the end, um, that, that could not have happened otherwise. Mm -hmm. And he did have to let go of the things that, you know, he thought, and we all thought were super important. Yeah. Wow. Well, 
um, actually, that what you're saying makes me think of uh, the next question that I have for you, which is, um, I've heard your story when you give your talk about you and Matt and talking about the church's teaching on NFP. And actually, it was in your story, which I, I, would, I would love for you to tell just a brief version of it. But in your story, it is that moment where you, you let go. Mm. that um, things change in that, uh, you know, the discernment, the discernment mm-hmm. that you, you guys mm-hmm. have. Could you share a little bit of that story with us? Because I think it's really beautiful, and <laughs> I think it highlights a lot of things we've already talked about, like your apologetics and Matt's conversion and um, you guys falling in love and, and the faith, you know, mm-hmm. just that moment of, of you know, what are we going to do here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are we going to do here? Because, you know, I think everybody's um, NFP story has two parts. It's the journey to NFP and the journey with NFP, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you have to, you have to like get the fulcrum is like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Like, how do we get there? And then now that we're there, what are we going to do with it? And um, for us, I will say that, well, for me, I will say that my parents practiced natural family planning. It was nothing that was new to me. It wasn't like this new revelation or, you know, something that was foreign that I needed to, you know, come to terms with. I always intended that I was going to follow the church's teaching. I mean, as soon as I, you know, have the, have the opportunity to get married and have a choice in how we're going to plan our family, that's what we're going to do, obviously. <laughs> Until the guy that was on the other end of the the discussion wasn't so, it wasn't so obvious to him. (laughs) And he was not so enthusiastic about my choices. Um, But fortunately for me, he was pretty enthusiastic about me and was willing to have the conversations. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And we kind of, I guess we talked about it in the live stream where, you know, you can kind of agree to uh, disagree about a lot of things in a marriage that isn't, um, congruent in terms of faith. Like, you know, it was okay that he remained Baptist and I remained Catholic and I could say a rosary and he didn't have to say a rosary. Honestly, we're both Catholic and he still doesn't have to say a rosary or I don't have to say a rosary. Like that's something that you have a choice as a Catholic to do or not do. It's part of your, you know, your personal piety and your, your, you know, your own religious practice. But there are other things um, like how you're going to plan your family that you kind of both have to agree on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was very resistant um, to the church's teaching on contraception specifically. He didn't understand it. That was not a part of his church's teaching at all. And, um, you know, he jokes that NFP for him meant not for Protestants. And that was not <laughs> something that was super interesting. I've never and, heard that. <laughs> and so he, um, was open to the discussion, but still pretty, pretty much like, yeah, we're probably not going to do that. Um, and I went into like study mode, like robo studier. Like I read everything there was to read on the internet. I had every single book that was available to humans, um, (laughs) on the subject. (laughs) And like, I was going to be the expert in, in making someone want to use NFP and, um, Or, or, here's the or here, I was going to find the loophole in the church's teaching. 
I was going to find the thing that made it like, okay, I see why 95% of Catholics don't do this. And this is why, and this is why it makes sense. You know, I was, I, I was really okay because I wanted to please him. Um, you know, he, he was very quickly climbing the ladder of my priorities as the most important thing and pleasing him and wanting to live peacefully with him um, became, you know, very, very important to the point where um, I won't say it, it became idolatrous, but I mean, it approached my relationship with God in a way that, that, you know, I, in, in, in a very real way, I had to choose between what I knew God taught because I had done all the study mm -hmm. and what my husband or my future husband wanted because I loved him so much, you know, and, and, and by the grace of God, I didn't have to make the decision. And that is nothing but a mercy from Jesus that I didn't have to choose between them because Matt really through his own study and, and, um, and actually just agreeing to take a class with me, you know, he, again, he, he was not, he wasn't super jazzed about going to these classes. In fact, it was funny. We took our class in Birmingham, Alabama, when we were in college, late college, just engaged. And we had one other couple in class with us and they were a Baptist couple from Samford university. And <laughs> I mean, could Jesus have arranged that situation better? I was the only Catholic in the class, like other than wow. the teachers. So like here are three Baptists, you know, open to the Catholic church's teaching. Cause we took it through a, you know, an apostolate that was a Catholic church apostle. It wasn't just like, you know, secular fraternal, uh, fertility awareness. This was the couple to couple league, a Catholic apostolates um, course on natural family planning, which included church teaching. And, and, you know, I'm here going, I know all this church teaching, but, but I didn't have to say it, you know, and, and other people were able to evangelize um, probably way more effectively than I ever could have. And I got to witness um, my husband's conversion to the church's teaching, not by virtue of any like convincing I did, um, but like he started to be convinced of the science. I've mentioned he's a pretty smart guy. And when he was able to understand like the studies and the, the biological processes and the physiology and all of these things, like he was like, yeah, I, I, I think this could work. It doesn't still sound super fun, but you know, I think this could work. And that, I mean, that changed everything that, and that, that led us to that point at which it was no longer the journey to NFP, but like, here we are. And now what do we do with it? Which, I mean, that's ongoing. I don't know anybody who practices natural family planning in their marriage that it isn't still a process of learning and reevaluating because that's what it should be. Like it yeah. should actually be a reevaluation every single month of what are we doing? Like what, what are we doing and what are we not doing and why again, you know, yeah. and having those constant conversations and really constant conversions of heart, like micro conversions almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is, um, I, I love, I love the story. I love listening to both of you tell the story um, in both of your, uh, you know, dramatic and <laughs> uh, theatrical ways um, at the retreat. So thanks for sharing that because I think that's probably like you're saying, everyone who is a practicing Catholic has had that moment of, okay, are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And okay, now we're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's, it's big, you know, mm -hmm. it's, um, really one of the things that's at the heart of your marriage. Um, so 
Thanks for sharing that. Um, I will say I will say this about being at the heart of our marriage too. That what is really beautiful for us is that because of that, natural family planning became the obvious ministry that we could both do together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, together as a couple versus like I could go teach a little you know second grade catechesis class, and he could go to a men's group or you know what whatever. Like those are things that we can do separately um, and have done separately. But natural family planning specifically is something that we do in ministry together. And that is so important for our marriage. Um, And I think that that's very important for, I mean, not everybody is going to be like a speaker at a retreat or, you know, but I feel like every marriage needs something that you can serve together, like a fruit that you Mm -hmm. can produce together for the church, whatever that is. You just kind of got to figure that out. Yeah. (laughs) I want to chime in here because so John and I went on a, an NFP talk when we were engaged, you know, that was part of our, um, w- which we were totally open to. We both wanted it, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, and so we show up in Virginia and I love, I love Birkenstocks. I love, but the couple that, that, that <laughs> did this retreat for us, you were kind of like, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think the woman shaved. I mean, you know, it was just like, very granola, very, and you kind of see why it gets a little bit of a bad rap because you're like, okay, you have to be really like earthy and committed to something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then, but we were committed to it, but luckily yeah. not because of the presentation that we received. Yeah. And so then when we moved to Little Rock and became friends with the Jaegers and, and all of our Little Rock friends that y'all did your talk, I think at a theology on tap deal. We did. We did it a couple of times. We were like, you know, the people who talked about sex in front of people at bars <laughs> that became our, our <laughs> shtick. Yeah. So it was at a bar and I'm like, okay, we got to go like, Hey, by this point we knew that we had fertility issues. So it really, we, you know, natural family planning became a thing that we didn't really have to think about, but I was like, I just want to see how this is going to be presented like by normal people. And they are so good. And so it is such a gift of the church that y'all do it because I have seen the extremes and I'm telling you, you make it like, Dang, I wish I could, you know, I wish this was part of <laughs> I wish I could also abstain. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, they make it fun. And, um, and, but also, I love Matt, what he said was, he was like, you know, I never considered it, you know, growing up because that just wasn't in our faith tradition. And he said, but as Brain and I were talking marriage, I realized, okay, I actually kind of love her and I am concerned what she's now putting in her body. And, and is this, and he said, if, once I've looked at the back of a, you know, birth control pills, I realize it's all chemicals, yeah. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. that's not the best for my future wife's body. And, you know, so he, I think probably did take it from a medical standpoint, mm-hmm. um, from, from the beginning, you yeah. know, I think having that background for him was so helpful, but anyways, that's my two cents. Y'all are excellent. Carry on Christy. <laughs> 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 they are excellent. They all they get the the highest reviews every time at every retreat. And um, this this past retreat actually, um, I we heard back from probably four or five different couples um, about conversion. Like we had a conversion on that retreat, and um, all of them talked about the NFP talk being a huge moment for them of that conversion. Um, oh, so, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Yes. All of your apologetic work has come in handy there. So, all right. Well, I know we don't want to go too long, so I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. Okay. Shoot. 
All right. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what your um your groom said first and then mm. you can go ahead and answer for yourself. All right. I love it. All right. So what is your what are your gifts? And Tracy, actually I want to hear from you too about what you think her gifts are. What are your gifts um that God has given you? Your charism that um you've brought to Bellator society that you use to serve and minister um to to these people to the world am i going first i forgot what okay, the order i'll is go here. I'll, I'll tell you what he said oh, okay he said you you are a natural writer you are prayerful um entertaining and an avid weekend theologian which i thought was so good just um talking you've already said so much about just loving to do research um and i think your editing skills mm. <laughs> have added to the mission. Oh. Uh, but what do you think, Franchelle? What is what is your charism? Um, and Tracy, feel free to chime in because you know her so well. Um, so I took the test uh, that you sent uh, Tracy and I last week after we were both like stumbling like charism. That is spelled with a C, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we and were we knew at... the questions ahead of time. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of researcher, must not have been up to my uh, uh, up to par that week. But anyway, uh, I did the test after you sent it to us, and um, my my charism strengths were definitely in writing. Like that was my highest score. But then, like um, the three that followed, all got the same score, and um, it was. Oh my gosh, it's so stupid to say it. Wisdom, administration, and evangelism. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily good at uh, being wise or administrating or evangelizing, but I do have a heart for all of those things. But I do think that I'm pretty good at writing, which is probably why it was the the, the top one. And um, good in the sense of like, it does, it, it is how I'm, energized and I'm able to communicate perhaps best when I'm writing. Um, you know, again, kind of going back to when Matt and I were in conversation about a lot of things, just during his conversion, during our working out the natural family planning, planning, you know, stuff. Um, really, I realized that there was a, a there was a big difference in the way that um, he received what I was trying to tell him or communicate to him. Um, if I wrote it versus talked about it, um, which is funny because like, again, I have a degree in theater. I should be good at the delivery. Um, <laughs> and I talk a lot in the shower, y'all. Like seriously, like <laughs> I think about stuff that I'm going to say to someone and I rehearse it and it should be really good. I should be able to stick that landing, but I can't always, um, you know, the, that's not the way I think the Holy Spirit's um, uses me the best. I think that um, I can sit and be very precise in how I write something and I care about tone and I care about the words that are used and I spend a lot of time doing it um, an inordinate amount of time perhaps even but um, I care a lot about that so I think that that writing probably is my charism. I would say Fran is definitely a fabulous writer. In fact I've been known to say um, will you just write something <laughs> Not always. I'm not always a fraud, but once you are a good writer too. Once or twice, she's like, I'll just whip something up for you. (laughs) Because she can think 
so fast and she writes so fast and you know um so she is definitely the chief bellator writer and um also she's so good at like getting people's works and she doesn't she'll never edit things you know to where it's unrecognizable but she'll make you sound she can make me at least i'm telling you sound better than i am like Mm. those are my thoughts but she can massage it in a way that you're like oh yeah that is so much you know but i think that Brain is naturally just creative. I mean, she can see things, think about things differently than most people I know. You know, I'll send her something and I'll think that looks pretty good. (laughs) She'll say, okay, how about this, this, and this? And I'm like, obviously that is, you know, (laughs) far superior than what I um, just sent to you. So she is so good creatively. But I'm going to say, Fran, I think that your delivery is really good. And I say this because I have seen you witness to a lady in a coffee shop. And I've, I've heard, you know, stories of, of kind of witnessing the other people. And I've seen you just how you respond when people ask you questions. And I'm like, my mind would have just frozen. So I think all of your research or um, your heart for evangelism, you know, all the things that you've said, I think, in my opinion, yes, you're a fabulous writer that we all know that you're you're a really good cook. You're good. You know, you're, you're, you're your so spit can go really far. You're so well-rounded. <laughs> but you can, you can have somebody, you know, ask you a question or maybe something that's a little hostile and just smile and um, turn, turn the, the tables back around in such a gentle, such a, a holy, such a merciful way that I don't even think sometimes people see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a story on that. We, used to meet in a coffee shop in Little Rock. Um, and this one woman kind of overheard our, not just for night, our kind of the women's side of the young adult ministry. And we were just talking about something, um, you know, I don't even know what the topic was, but this woman overheard that we were clearly talking about the church. And, and she said, do y'all mind if I ask you a question? And she kind of came in and of course I think everybody else was like, sure, you know, but she asked a question and I can't remember what it was about, but Fran answered it in such a way that I was like, I mean, my mouth just dropped because it was so, and I'm like, you just, that just came out of your head. (laughs) Who does that? She asked, I think about divorce and remarriage and, 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 and a topic that could have been so, um, so personal to people and could have been really, really easily to offend this, this person. And it was handled with such charity that I think, you know, she accepted the answer, you know, what, there wasn't an argument, but it was so, so, um, just so beautiful. So I think that your delivery now, maybe not with your husband, but I think, Mm. (laughs) I think husband and wife deliveries are, that's, you know, a whole new level, but I think with, uh, with people, with the general public, you have a gift. Well, thank you. I I will say that when it does go well, it's probably not because of me. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, that is what a charism is. That's what I'm saying. Your, your gifts where the Holy spirit just comes in and like what, what Tracy's saying, like, you're just like, where did that come from? And yeah. uh, it's uh, like a supernatural way that God uses you. So, and it's just nice to get to be a witness to it, especially when you don't have that gift. Like that is not yeah. my gift to to deliver eloquently on on the spot. But yeah. I, I think I think it's friends. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your Super gift. Super weird. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this awkward. <laughs> All right. Well, I I know that we're getting close to time, so 
we can we can end the awkwardness. I, I like it. I think people need to hear. I like awkward. I think people <laughs> need to hear what they are good, like how they how they bring God's light to the world. They need mm-hmm. to know. So, anyway, that was. It is nice to see what other people see in you because sometimes mm-hmm. we're blinded to. Um, you know, what we do and what we do well. And so when, when you can have an outside perspective, I know for me, it's like, oh, you, you notice, you know, I try hard mm-hmm. at that or that's something that I enjoy doing, but it's mm-hmm. nice when other people can see your gift and kind of just encourage you in that way. But yeah. should we do our last little bits? Yeah, sure. That's how we do this. Bit? Hey, Christy, do you have a last little bit? You don't have to go first. Ooh, I, I was, I was not ready. Oh, I think maybe I'm ready. Okay. Um, So uh, I'll do two last little bits. One is um, I have, I have discovered a new author. Um, I heard her speak. I say new, she's really not new, but to the Catholic uh, community, um, I think she's just, you know, publishing more and more. Um, But I love Sonia Corbett Mm -hmm. right now. Um, and just starting to dig into some of her books. Uh, my mom just sent me one and had already just bought one, and I had heard her speak about a month ago. And this, like, Southern Belle of a woman, um, Catholic woman, is she is on fire and um, really teaching us Catholics, I, I think especially now, like right now because we're so missing the Eucharist, really teaching us like that other side of the coin, which is scripture. Mm-hmm. Like that's where God yeah. is present to us right now the most. And she wrote this beautiful article about it too. Um, but she really teaches you um, how to dig into scripture and how to pray with it. And so I just, I just want to mention her, um, how to pray like Mary. Mm-hmm. So good. Fearless uh, is what I'm digging into right now. So for her, mm-hmm. yeah, for her, her books, and then my second thing I'm just going to throw out there is there is so much music happening at my house right now. <laughs> like the drums and the piano and the guitar and the violin are just going like all the time, all week. Like it is, it is my thing right now. I'm not playing any of them, but <laughs> there's so much happening here with music that, um, yeah. It so is Nashville, Christy, in all yeah. fairness. So that's my life right now. Music and Sonia Corbett. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to have to look her up. I have not heard of her, but that is that is not saying much. So I'm excited to find a, a Southern author. I mm-hmm. love I love reading um, books by Southern authors. It's my other. Okay. Do you have a last little bit, Fran? I do have one. Do you want me to go first or do you want me to go last? I don't care. Okay. Um. I'll go. Uh, So this podcast is going to air on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker on May 1st. And um, we had, we've already, and I knew that we were going to talk a little bit about my brother. Um, And something that um, struck me as I was just kind of reflecting on a walk about the upcoming feast day was um, the dignity of work and the importance of work um, for the human person and, and the, the participation, um, in work that gives us a sense of purpose and and just how all of those things tie together and something that my brother taught me, um, you know, just just in the process of his living with cancer and and then eventually, of course, dying from it was his um, desire to be to to work, not to be of, of use so much as to just have 
something to do, you know, something that, that is, that is meaningful to him or to somebody else. And, um, when he was, um, when it was very evident towards the end of his life that, um, he, that, you know, he, he wasn't going to win this particular battle, um, to, he, he, he still talked about like, um, getting a, a job again. Like he still looked forward to even, even ha- after having to not work anymore, he was an accountant, um, and he couldn't do his job anymore. Um, he, he still talked about, you know, man, when I get back, I wonder if anybody would hire me just if I could just do some work here in the hospital. I mean, he's in hospice in the hospital, you know, and, and he's thinking if he could do any work for somebody. And, um, and I thought that that was that, that that was particularly beautiful, and just shows again the the dignity of human work. And then his his real job, his real job when he was dying was his sobriety. Um, I think that anyone that goes through cancer can probably understand um, the depths at which somebody would need to go to um, self soothe, to cope with the pain, to not think about all of the scary things that are happening in your life and then add on to that a genetic uh, d- you know predisposition for alcoholism i mean it's just like a like a recipe for disaster and um he made it his job to work for sobriety and that was um that was a beautiful work and that was something that we all got to witness as well and so um you know as we celebrate this you know beautiful feast day of saint joseph the worker and appreciate the dignity of human work i think that it's important for us to look at other people and at ourselves and and see the ways in which we are um, serving each other um and and just participating in um in the dignity of of work i love that brian um, what y'all have not seen throughout this podcast is that my eyes like tear up and then kind of a tear comes out and then it dries up and they tear up. And I feel like Dolly Parton on Steel Magnolias where says nobody cries alone in my presence. <laughs> I just love, I love hearing your stories and they, but they always choke me up because he just said, I, I mean, I, I didn't know him. I didn't know him well. I only mm-hmm. knew him when he was sick actually. Um, mm-hmm. and, but you know, your stories about him and just, just the, the crosses and the struggles are so just inspiring, really. Um, and I love that tie in on St. Joseph's feast day. So I'm going to end it on not nearly as beautiful or, um, dignified of a, of a statement. I kind of wish I would have gone first now because <laughs> yours is a much better way to end the podcast, but we record on Wednesdays, as we've said many times. And, Fran, I don't know if you know what today is. It's Princess Catherine and <laughs> Prince William's wedding anniversary. And so, y'all, when Fran and I first, when we used to walk together, they were, this is when they were engaged and, and they were about to be married. And she went from like a really, you know, pretty woman to like super toned, super fit, super. And we're like, what is she doing? What is she doing? And so I don't know if you remember, but my birthday's in May. And so they got married April 29th. My birthday was obviously not far after. And Fran made me a three bean. She called it the princess. What what'd you call it? Like the princess three princess bean, bean salad. Or something. <laughs> because we read that that's how she got into shape for her wedding. <laughs> So I still have it, but she wrote the recipe out and it was this big thing of like three bean salad. Um, but I just, a lot of beans. They were really good. They were like marinated. Yeah. And, um, but anyways, one of my kids was like, Oh, did you know it's their wedding anniversary day? And I'm like, 
it's kind of like an anniversary than for Freena and I. <laughs> It was back in the day of, of, you know, enjoying our health and, and that was such a big priority for us. But anyways, um, happy anniversary, Fran. Happy anniversary. And also speaking of Catherine, happy feast day of St. Catherine of Siena. That would so have been we can, holier in for me. We can, no, we'll double them up. It's a double day. It's Catherine, <laughs> Princess Catherine, and Catherine of Siena. So Everyone needs a friend that brings you back to holiness, and that is what Fran is. <laughs> and who also brings you salad. That's bean right. salad. Because, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want that for their birthday? Uh, <laughs> uh, this is fun, y'all. Yeah, totally. I love hearing about it, about you. And thank you, Christy, for joining us again and, and asking all those questions. So good. Prying oh, it in friend's heart. We loved it. You're such oh, a good interviewer. You. You'll have to come back and, and help us out. Oh, I would love to come back. I'll, I'll, um, I'll make sure I think real hard about what my next good idea is before I say it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See if you're on board to run, to run it. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, Bye. y'all have a good day. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful. Thank you.